0: I recently was a guest on a podcast called One Man, One Tree and a Hill. The podcast is run by Jared Waters. Jared and I met on Instagram because my name is Jared, two R's, two T's and his name is Jared. So we reached I reached out and said, hey, do you want to do a collab? He said, yeah. So I hopped on his podcast and that will be published on this upcoming Tuesday, August 11th. So please go and listen to that. This podcast, this episode, however, was inspired by that. When we started talking, he said just come on, we'll just talk. We're just going to just put our thoughts out there. And his podcast is all about being alone with your own thoughts. And so he brings guests on and really gives them time to just kind of just get some stuff out there. So this podcast is totally inspired by that. So thank you, Jared. And I have written down a list of things that I've been thinking about a lot, and I'm just going to share them with you today. So if you have headphones on, it's like, I'm going to be in your head while I'm in my head. Kind of weird, kind of strange, but I'm just going to go for it. I also have the window open so you may hear ambient sounds, and this is the first of many experiments of me recording this podcast, Wi-Fi and Water, in distinct places, Uh, whether it's out in nature or maybe it's in a parking lot somewhere or it's in a mall because now there's not a lot of people and I just go in a corner and I just record a podcast and people are like, what is that guy doing? So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Jarrett Carpenter and this is Wi-Fi and Water. I created a list, although there's no priority to these. One isn't greater than two, two isn't greater than three. It's just how I wrote them down in my head. I just opened up a note on my iPhone and I wrote the following things down. So I'm gonna share those with you. Give about one to two minutes to each one. And yeah, in the future, I'll have more guests on to kind of extrapolate on some of these things further, but here we go. My first note is climate change is a priority. And climate change has always been a priority. It's just never been prioritized. It's now gonna be really difficult for governments to look us in the eye and say, yeah, no, we can't have everything come to a screeching halt because it's gonna affect humanity. We can't shut down everything because that's what you wanna do and you're a hippie and you wanna hug a tree. That's just no longer gonna be acceptable. Right? We've stopped to air travel. It's down by like eighty five percent, you know. Everything has totally flipped on its head since the global pandemic started. And one of the only things that is winning, the mother that is winning is Mother Nature. And I don't believe in the future the younger generations, our gen, my generation, other generations are going to think it's acceptable for governments to now say, "Oh, we have no money to spend on that. Oh, we can't have things come to a halt. Oh, we can't completely change the way entire the entire economy works because you want to save lives eventually. That's just no longer going to be acceptable. So if that's one good silver lining of the pandemic, it is that the people can no longer, when I say people, I mean politicians and people in, quote, power, end quote, can no longer play that game. It's done. We get it. We can do that. We can change. And it is that big. Climate change It is. Climate change, you know, you could argue takes more people every single year already than the global pandemic. What I mean is through drought, through famine, through war that is brought on by drought and famine, those things alone probably kill more people annually than the global pandemic. But yet we don't see it as a pandemic because maybe it's not hurting people in our backyard. Maybe it's not hurting people where we're from. Oh, that happens, that famine and that drought and the fact that almost 1 billion people on the planet are food insecure and don't know where their next meal is coming from or how they're going to feed themselves tomorrow. Oh, well, that happens in a country that's not this country. So I'm not going to worry about it. Oh, that's another situation. Well, if anything, the global pandemic has made us realize we're all in the same ship. Yeah, the ship is still like the Titanic and we unfortunately still have a first, second and a third class, but... We're all in the same ship and what happens to, to, you know, in that quote, far off place that's not here still affects us. It still affects us. That's number one on the notes. Number two, with health, health is wealth. I've never seen so many people that I know personally, all of a sudden think about their immune system, all of a sudden think about what they're putting into their body. All of a sudden having a conversation with themselves about, Hey, do I need to be drinking a couple of beers every night? Maybe I should go out on a walk. I need to have my immune system as strong as it can. So if if I contract this virus, I'm ready to fight it off. You know, we know from the data that if you are obese, if you have diabetes, those are things that greatly impact your ability to fight off the virus. So I think... There's a wholesale shift in how we are looking at our health. We are seeing it as wealth. It's not something that we're maybe taking for granted anymore. People are changing the way that they engage with the world through what they eat and through how they move. Movement is is medicine. If you get up every day and you do something for 20 to 30 minutes, that's movement. I don't care if it's jumping rope, if you go on a run, if you go on a walk, if you ride your bike whatever you do, movement is medicine. It allows you to keep moving. It's how people that are 50 years old look like they're 30 or 25 because they keep moving. And it's how people who are 18 through 25, addiction and substance abuse aside can sometimes look like they're 40 or 50 because they've just stopped moving. And it's not just about weight. It's about kind of like a a fatigue of the soul. So movement is medicine and that's been really powerful. And also, you know, a Healthy self is heal thyself. And one of the ways we do that is through putting the stuff we put into our bodies. And one of the best ways someone ever explained that to me was like, you know, what do you, what kind of gas do you put in your Honda Civic? I have a Honda Civic. So I put regular, right? I don't need premium. But if I were to have a Lamborghini, I would probably spend more money to maybe get a higher grade of gasoline. So the human body is exactly that. Are you treating your body like a Honda Civic or are you treating it like a Lambo? That's just a conversation that everyone needs to have, because what we put into our body is there's a direct relationship to then how we feel, how much energy we have, and then really how healthy we are. This is a conversation for another guest that I'm going to have on to talk about different ways to eat. That's down the line. Health is wealth. The other one that I think we all maybe took for granted, not all of us, but a large majority when I say all, sometimes I'm projecting myself, nature. Nature. Nature has a power to reset and balance us and we've totally got to take more advantage of it. So many people now are going out on hikes. They just want to go camping. They just want to do that. And as more people move away from big cities, we're going to see more and more people being like, I don't want to live in Manhattan in this little, you know, shoebox and pay, you know, 2250 to have my one bedroom or 2250 to have my studio because it's in Soho. And that's cool. I can still make the same money I'm making. And I can get a plot of land out in Vermont and I can go to the brewery that normally I only go to once every two years, like it's a Mecca and I'm going to hot ha- like, like, like it's you know, my hodge, and I'm going to Mecca. So I can do that now. More and more people are going to be going towards nature. They're trying to get outside. I was for such a long time against cyclists. Cyclists are so annoying. I actually still find them annoying, but I recently bought a bike at the beginning of the pandemic. And then I also read that bike sales have gone up like 50% in March alone. If you don't believe me, go to your local bike shop and ask them to buy a bike and they're only going to have bikes. They won't have um, kind of the consumer grade. They may have prosumer, which is like 1,000 to 1,500 or professional, which is like 3,000 and up. All of the consumer grade, uh, you know, the ones you would just take for a three or four mile ride, those are all gone. People want to get outside. People want to be out in nature. Kayak sales, the same thing. They're through the roof. People see that nature is so important for us as human beings to be able to reset and balance and ground. The other one is getting together and being social. My generation, I was born in 87, I just aged myself, but we grew up without cell phones. We grew up in the most, you know, kind of societally constructed social times of my life. I had a flip phone. And in high school, I didn't even have a cell phone until I was like a junior or a senior. And then in college, we had crappy flip phones that had T9. Shout out T9. If you don't know what that is and you're listening and you say, I don't know what T9 is, type into Google, what is T9 text? And you'll be surprised. So I grew up in a time where you actually had to sit around and you actually had to talk and cell phones were just the way that we made a call to call some food in or see where someone was at, but we normally called people instead of texted because texting was so bad. I think the dependence on screens that is happening currently during the depend- during the pandemic, because that's how we work, I think will totally be completely broken down. And people are now so excited to be like, oh my God, we can go to a restaurant and sit around and talk. I hope moving forward that people put their phones down. I hope that you go to a, you go to a restaurant and you have an airplane mode agreement with everyone there. It could be nonverbal. Hey, you know what? I haven't seen you in a while. I haven't seen you in six months. Can you put your phone down? Can we just have like a real talk? Because we've been FaceTiming for the past six months. That is something I'm hoping happens. It's something I've also been feeling like I need to definitely, and I try to be very active about this, but I need to even be more active about putting my phone down with them around other people. We're more than our work. Next idea. Our worth and self uh, and self-awareness are powerful. That's the note in my phone. So many people have either lost their job or had to start a new job, got furloughed, maybe got less pay, but probably for a long time, there was an uncertainty around it. And so maybe you were doing this job we'll call it the X, Y, and Z job. So you're doing the X, Y, and Z job. And now you're not sure if your company is going to go under. So now you have to start sitting with yourself and having real conversations about, do I want to be doing this X, Y, and Z job? Is this really what I want to be doing? I've been working at this X, Y, and Z job for four years and I'm working 70 hour weeks because that's what society tells me to do. And all of a sudden I lose this job and now I'm sitting at home in my apartment and I realize, you know what? I stopped playing the guitar and I want to play the guitar more. So I'm going to start playing the guitar. I realize I stopped reading. I stopped writing poetry. I stopped painting. I stopped going on runs. I stopped doing all of these things. And I now have to re-find myself and figure out who I am again. And that is something that I've definitely gone through. I've literally, one of the examples was picked up the guitar again, and it's great. I love making music. But I think that this is something that many people are having to do. And they're realizing that within the capitalist structure, we sometimes relate worth to job and relate worth to salary. And that, at the end of the day, is one of the most unsustainable, energetic parts of capitalism, that it just turns everyone into a cog. And we are way more than just cogs. So that's another idea. That goes right into the next one, is that capitalism doesn't work. And we've always known this for a while. And it doesn't work. When I say it doesn't work, it works, but it just works for very few. How is it that Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, and other people have made billions, and their net worth has gone up by billions during the pandemic, when I think it's now 40 to 50 million Americans... Have lost their jobs or have claimed unemployment. Um, the amount of people that are going to n- that haven't been able to pay their rent or their mortgage, I believe in June was forty percent. That is a massive amount of people. We start to see that capitalism works, but it's not working for everyone, and that is not something that I think people are going to let go for a while. There was the you know the rallies and the protests against Wall Street about almost a decade ago, those will continue to happen. Those, will, those are in many ways part of the systematic institutional chants that are in the streets on the racist tip for Black Lives Matter, but I don't see that not being hand in hand and that not being something that will continue to be at the forefront. Um, and yeah, the United States has a billionaire as their president, so it's really come full circle. Travel is not going to go back to the way it was for a very long time. This is something that's been hard for me because if you know me personally, or you know what I was up to, I had spent the last year creating a retreat agency to bring people down to where whether it be vegan food, yoga, and you'd be by the beach to have transformative weeks. I was in Colombia on the coast when the pandemic really hit the Americas. And with about 10 days out from bringing people down from the United States to Colombia for this transformative experience, we had to cancel. And I've spoken with the yoga teacher, Mercedes. Mercedes, if you're listening, how you doing? Shout out. And we know that this thing is going to go on for a long, long time. And travel may never be the same. And I say that because one of the things that's drastically changing is air travel Air travel, when I go down my JetBlue flight and I go down to Columbia and back and I do it for about 650 round trip, I'm obviously sitting uh, in coach. I'm not in the business class. But I didn't realize how much my seat in coach, my 650 from Logan Airport in Boston down to Cartagena and Cartagena back to Boston was subsidized by first class flyers, first class People who fly are normally flying on their corporate budget. They're writing it off as a business expense. The businesses fly people around the world. I didn't realize how much air travel was subsidized by first class. And so what used to be 650 to take me down to Columbia and back, maybe now is 900 Maybe now is 1000 Because what's happening is corporations are really going to cut down on air travel moving forward if they don't have to. If I don't have to send two of my C-suite executives And from my New York office to London for a three-day conference, which is essentially like two to three hours every day. And the rest of it is like golf or some kind of social event to, you know, help merge, you know, create bond bonding ties. So much of business doesn't happen around business. It's about common interests outside of business that we vibe. And now we're going to move forward and create something great. If I don't have to send to my executives from my New York office, the london office so they can have a couple days and go see an arsenal game and feel like they know the people in london if they can just do that over zoom maybe it takes a little more time but i'm saving so much money of the company on hotel flights per diem for food for other miscellaneous travel etc so as corporate travel goes down unfortunately for most of the joe schmoes listening to this podcast and the regular people if you're not flying corporate your flights are now gonna become more expensive moving forward. And that is what the analysts are saying. And I don't really see a way around that. Also, as the demand for for travel goes down during this time, many airlines are not gonna make it. Many airlines are gonna go belly up. So we're gonna have to see what happens there. That brings me to the point, which I actually have in my notes, which was building to that, which is we all need to explore more locally. Sometimes we get off work And we want to hop in a plane and we want to go 3000 miles away because that is what a vacation is a vacation is simply just relaxing, stepping away from work, and finding time to be present, not dealing with your emails, not dealing with those stupid meetings you don't know why you have, not seeing that coworker who maybe you're not that cool with. Um, Also not seeing coworkers too that you are cool with, but it's good to step away from that and maybe go with your partner, go by yourself, but go to a place where you can relax, recharge, rejuvenate. And I think people now are finding that they need to explore more locally. There are so many ways locally, I don't care where you are, to be able to get outside your comfort zone, even if you stay within your bubble. I am recording this in Salem, Massachusetts, and I grew up in Beverly, Massachusetts, and I've spent many years of my life in this area. There's so much about Salem I don't even know. And people come from around the world to Boston, New York, and then they'll come up for a day trip to Salem because of the witches. There's so much I don't even know. so I'm speaking from a very firsthand perspective. Uh, about my ignorance around Salem, its neighborhoods, its history, its culture. And so I would anyone listening to this, go out and explore something local. Go to the restaurant that you've always driven by and you're like, oh, I want I, sh- I should try that. I've never tried that type of that country's food. Go. We do not have to leave our bubbles to get outside our comfort zone. Racism. I just don't even know where to start. It is just shocking to me. That we're in the year 2020 and we're still having conversations around the ordering of human lives by skin color. I just, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around. I Sometimes I'm just baffled. I am just baffled. It is crazy that when I am in a Black Lives Matter protest in the suburbs of Boston, that people will roll down their windows and say, this is bullshit. You know, you guys are socialists. They'll throw all these names at us. It blows my mind that advocating for something makes other people so angry, you know? It's like, I'm rooting for Team A. I want Team A to do well. I'm not saying anything about Team B, right? Because pro-black is an anti-white. I'm just saying, all right, I want more quality for the black team. And then there are people who are feeling threatened by the white team. I'm not saying anything about the white team. I'm saying, hey, I just want more equality here. And that to me, I just can't get my mind. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. And energetically, it is just so draining. And I have felt so drained around these issues because it's like we have much bigger things as humanity to solve climate crisis. We have much bigger things to solve. We need to realize That this racism, this whole thing is a societal construct made to divide us. And once you see it in that light and you realize that we're all in the same boat, as I said earlier about the climate, the world just the world will be a better place. And I know that that sounds like a mix of, you know, like (laughs) a John Lennon lyric mixed with like, you know, a little bit of Marvin Gaye, what's going on. But that is just it's just. It's hard for me to even speak on because I'm so flabbergasted. I just don't understand. And that brings me to my next point. The United States is neither an educated nor an informed society. And it has never been more obvious than during this pandemic that we are neither educated nor informed. I have so many friends and so many people on social media who I know, because I went to college with them, share fake news, share conspiracy theories, share things that aren't based in fact at all, and all of a sudden go from doing whatever they do at XYZ company, we'll just say, to all of a sudden being a health expert because they watched a 45-minute YouTube video. And it is just shocking. The United States needs a complete change in the way that we educate our children and the, and the future generations. It needs to be done through a lens that takes into account systemic racism, full stop. It shouldn't be controversial that the New York school system wants to include the 1619 project that the New York Times created that talks about, you know, how to how to really engage in many different topics through a racial lens. That shouldn't be controversial. That is something that we should do. Because until we grapple with our with our with our past and our present being one of white supremacist, you know, white supremacy institutions and policies, we're just never, ever. Never going to move forward. And that is just, it's so obvious to me, but it's also so annoying that so many people fight against that. And the idea of being educated, maybe you could be educated. And then I have other people who are educated, who I see who are educated, super educated, you know, they could be like a astrophysicist, but they're just not informed. You know, they're this. also the people who are like, oh yeah, I, I don't care about politics. Oh, well that doesn't matter to me. Oh, well that doesn't affect me. You know, that to me hurts. That's another start of our society. And then you have people who maybe are overly informed and not educated. And it's just all a quagmire. I don't even know where I stand on this because I feel like, yeah, I have a master's, but education at some point also, you know, there's a limit to, to your ability to, to kind of I don't know, you know, the more, I guess what I'm saying is when I got my master's, I'm like, damn, I don't know anything because the more you learn, the less, the more you understand that you know nothing or, you know, nothing compared to what you thought you knew when you started the journey of learning. Um, And so the United States needs to become a lot more of a conscious society and understand where we don't know things and be very open about it. Um, And also really ask questions about where we get our information, where we get our quote facts, where we find the stuff that drives us to make the decisions that we make. Um, It will be shocking in a hundred years when a kid opens a textbook and he reads about the president in 2020, when there's a global pandemic, president of the United States who says, utters the words, this is a hoax. That will just be, I mean, these things don't age well. These things don't age well. Um, Bad policy doesn't age well. Stupidity doesn't age well. and. It's just been shocking. It's just been shocking to see that our society, although we think we are X, Y, and Z, you know, uh, we're so we're so smart and we're so progressive. We're really, really falling behind the rest of the world. And I see the pandemic as like a pop quiz and everyone got a pop quiz at the beginning of the year. Um, China was the first one to get the pop quiz and they dealt with it in a certain way. They built a hospital in a week. I'm just That's just like a fascinating stat. And then Korea, South Korea and the United States get the pop quiz on the exact same day. They find out they have a pop quiz on the exact same day. And if you look at the trajectory of cases, deaths, the morbidity, it has been staggering. The United States has failed the pandemic pop quiz. And there's really absolutely no other way to say it than that. We have failed and this will not age well. The people who followed Trump will be like the people who followed Hitler as far as just being blinded by fear and hate as a driving force uh, to you know beat the battle drum. So that racism, informed versus educated, educated versus informed. One of the other things I think is people are realizing they need to get their money right. They need to know what their budgets are. I've never talked with so many people in my circles who are now, we're all talking about budgeting and money and getting that right. I've had multiple friends who have reached out to me because they know that I have budgets. I have Google sheets for days. I just like to know where my money's going because your money, you're either controlling your money or your money's controlling you. There's really no other way around it. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I have this credit card debt. Oh, but I'll, I'll pay that off eventually. You're not going to. It's made for you to not pay it off eventually. When you have 22% interest It's going to be there. You need to be proactive about it, or you're going to continue to be reactive. So, getting your money right, I think, is the other thing that's really come out in this pandemic because people who maybe used to live paycheck to paycheck, they didn't even realize that though, because they had a well paying job, but they had all these monthly things they had to pay off, including their student loan, including their car, including their mortgage, or maybe it was their rent. Now they've lost their job and they realize they maybe can make it six weeks, but they're making $130,000 a year. That's mismanagement of of resources, nothing else. And so if you can manage those better, you're going to set yourself up in a much better way. I've never had so many conversations with friends and family recently about investing. Where are we going to put our money? You know, if you're going to make an extra money from the government right now because you're unemployed, that's great. Spend it on groceries, pay your rent, and then maybe I have some extra money. But I used to, I didn't realize how much money I spent when I went to the bar or when I bought weed or when I bought cigarettes. Now I got an extra 300 bucks lying around a month. I don't know what to do with it. I bought everything off Amazon I want. Well, why don't you download Robinhood? Why don't you put that into into stocks? Why don't you put that into something where it's going to build you wealth? Now, this is not a shout out to go do that right now because I do believe by the end of the year with the uncertainty of the election, the stock market will go down. There's going to be a huge dip, but people understanding where their money is so they can control their money so their money doesn't control them, I think is super Super powerful. And finally, with the election coming up, it's never been more apparent in my life that the United States is not a democracy. A democracy would have election day be on a Sunday or it would make it a national holiday so everyone could go. A democracy wouldn't have the electoral college. A democracy is one person, one vote. That's it. Whoever gets the most votes wins. That's it. A democracy would have mail-in voting as soon as the pandemic would start. They say, yep, we're going to switch to mail-in voting. And they put all their chips in to make sure that that happened, that their citizens would have a voice. It wouldn't leave, especially in black and brown communities, one polling station for 300,000 people and then also suppress mail-in voting. A democracy is for the people, by the people. And for a long, long, long time, this country has not been like that. This country has not been like that. The Republican Party has done its everything under the sun and they will continue to do everything under the sun to make sure large swaths of the voting bloc do not have a chance to vote. And for a long time, I don't believe the Democrats have fought as hard as they need to, to make sure that those people have a right to vote. And and if they have, it's been out of selfish things so they can win elections, not because they truly inherently believe that the marginalized communities of this country, the poor, the brown, the black, have their right to vote. They haven't done it because they're like, they believe in that inherently. They've done it because they want to win elections. And so you'll see this when every four years, all of a sudden, you got people speaking Spanish who never spoke Spanish before. All of a sudden, they're trying to get down. Or now all of a sudden, they're going out and they're getting in the black community and they're trying to do that because they realize that the Latinx community and the black community is where you win and lose elections in the United States. That's it. That is, that's it so a democracy would have mail-in voting during a global pandemic and would be investing fully in that but you'll see what's happening right now it's going to get ugly it's not going to get ugly it's going to be ugly before it gets better if you're listening to this and you're not registered to vote please go register and then get someone else who's not registered to vote to vote i know in massachusetts they've already sent out letters you've got them in your mail you fill it out it takes 10 seconds you throw it back in the mail and then you register for mail in voting we as a country will never be a democracy until Everyone has the right to vote. There's a system set up that makes it easy for people to vote. The electoral college is completely gone and it's one person, one vote. And it's done on either a Sunday or a national holiday is created. So you're not going to miss work. There's not a fear of, oh, should I vote? Or if I take the 15 minutes off to go wait in line and then it takes 45 and I get back and I'm 30 minutes late, my boss fires me. That is not a democracy. That is not a democracy hope you enjoyed this episode. A little bit off the cuff. Hope everyone's well. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Wi-Fi and Water Podcast and reach out to us if you'd like to be a guest or have an idea for a future episode.